Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode number 58. Oh boy, I'm really excited about today. This one um, has been kind of brewing for a little while. Um, my guest today, he is a he's a speaker, he's a, an evangelist, he's a, a prayer minister, um, and he's also the author of the book, Inside War, From the Jungle to the Jordan. Let's welcome my guest, all the way from the UK, Tony Maisie. Hello, hey. Jeff. Oh, yeah. No, um, thank you very much for inviting me on. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited. Thank you. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, there's a lot of people here who don't know who you are. So why don't you just give, uh, give, uh, take however much time you want to just let people know who you are. Okay. Yeah. Well, my name's Tony Maisie and I was born in South London, a place called Croydon, uh, 51 years ago, long time ago now. And um, I can go straight into my testimony. I was, uh, I was born into a working class family. Um, my father was a builder. My mum was a, a housewife and uh, it was pretty, you know, it was pre pretty sort of normal and, and happy. You know, there was no Christianity in our family, uh, far from that. Um, but it got to about 10 years of age and my parents split and it was it was a real shock. I got a younger sister, five years younger, and I, I was very protective at, at that point of my younger sister. Um, and as soon as they uh, split, my mum just started drinking overnight and mm. uh, and she started to see another guy shortly afterwards. And he, he was a gangster. He was a London underworld figure and connected up and down the country. So our, our sort of life turned upside down. He was a very violent man and uh, he used to knock my mum about quite a lot. And I remember Valin at a very young age, at 10, around at 10 years of age, that I was... If anything happened to him, as that young boy, I was saying to myself, if anything happened to my sister, sorry, I would do something about it. Mm. And um, well, that, that came about 10 years later. Um, but what I wanted to emphasize is that our lives turned upside down for, for a reason. And I know this 100%. There was a lot of occult practices in my family. My grandparents were involved with doing the Ouija ball, tarot cards, palm reading and stuff like that. And um, I remember them doing it when I was a kid. And I remember a, 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 a presence being in the home that we lived in. Okay. So I was very sensitive to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I didn't understand it. And, you know, when you was at school back then, you did have the Bible in the school, but it was really just assembly and a couple of hymns would be sung. Mm. And that was it. But... I remember, I think back then, through fear, even though I never spoke to anybody about it, I remember praying for, you know, once or twice um, for protection, for Je asking Jesus to protect me, because I used to sense something in my room. Hmm. And um, my very earliest, going back a few years before then, my very earliest memory was, and I say it at the beginning of my, my book, you know, there was a knock at the door. I was at my grandparents' home. I was about five years of age. And uh, I used to sense something dark in their house where, of course, they was opening doors up right. to the demonic yeah. through their activities. Mm -hmm. And they invited, they used to say, oh, this place is unlucky. And they would continually move home all the time. And it never dawned on them once what, what they was uh, actually doing, what they was inviting in. 
Well, anyway, there was a knock at the door one morning and um, there was a, a priest or a vicar at the front door and it was raining and undone his umbrella and walked in. Well, I remember watching, he was speaking words from a Bible and, and I remember later on that I overheard the adults saying that there, he'd said there was an evil spirit in the home that oh, was wow. toying with me. Yeah. Because I'd been waking up in the night hearing things and scratching and banging and just sensing stuff as a young boy of four or five. Yeah. So I guess I was very sensitive all the time, really. Uh, so that thing was toying with me. So I guess I say in the book, you know, at the end of that chapter, that very short beginning there, just, just to give you an idea of, of where we was going with it, the book, is that I was going to, you know, always was, was never going to walk alone. And I believe that to be true. And what happens is these evil spirits, they network, you know, there's ruling spirits and so on and mm. territorial spirits. And when you've got a lot of doors open to the demonic, like my family did have, um, the, the enemy of our soul will just guide us into areas or homes where there's a lot, been a lot of demonic activity, satanic worship. And I think that the family home that we moved into when I was about six or seven there was probably a lot of satanic worship that went on there before. Wow. Yeah. And as I say, I, my parents split. There was a lot of violence in the home. Uh, the guy that was knocking my mum about, I ended up, you know, I'm not proud of this, but I nearly took his life in that mm -hmm. house because he did start on my sister many years later. I was 21. And um, I went in there with evil intentions. And, uh, and he did, thankfully, God, you know, he, thank God he did pull through. Mm -hmm. He was on a life support. So the thing is, is there was, that was the start of my life. And yeah. now I got involved with serious crime. I went to prison when I was 19. And when I came out, that was for burglary. And when I came out, I got involved with serious crime. And that was because once I'd done this to this guy, who was very well known, then I kind of got a name then, you know, and that wasn't the intention. I don't think, certainly not. I was protecting my sister. Yeah. But I knew a lot of the London gangs because of him um, and um, grew up with a lot of them around the house. So, of course, they sort of respected me, what I'd done to him. Mm. They, knew he, they knew he was a bully as well. Yeah. But no one would say it to his face. Yeah. So, anyway, unfortunately, that happened. I'm not glorifying that. Sure. But that catapulted me into serious crime. And I was, you know, sometimes I'd earn 30, I say earn, you didn't earn it, but. You, you sometimes I'd gain thirty thousand pounds in one day. You know, it's probably about forty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. So you know, for a young kid of twenty-one, I was on the on the outside. I was I was looking pretty sharp and like I had it all, but I was really disguising from a very young age a spirit of fear. You know, familiar spirits were at work, obviously, and uh, there was a lot. There was generational curses that were coming working through me and terrorizing me from very young but i was very good at disguising that fear and i think you see it so much you know an old guy that's ministered to me and done a lot of deliverance for me in the past he said i've been doing this 40 years and i've never met a hard case a hard man who wasn't driven by fear hmm. and i believe that to be true yeah that makes sense but what these gangsters do these these guys and right across you know you ain't got to be a big multi-millionaire gangster so you can just be a criminal of any level you're all they're all driven by fear uh, uh, and you, but they learn we, we learn to turn that fear into a weapon 
against mm. the world and some are better at it than others mm -hmm. and I, I became pretty good at disguising that fear yeah and using it against the world and um with aggression and all that uh, that stuff unfortunately yeah i became yeah. a very violent man yeah i'd be mm. very violent yeah and um I, I, you know it's a i'm forgiven now you know but I'd, right. i've done a lot of damage to a lot of individuals and um you know and, and even with the drugs that i put out in the homes as well you know i was a millionaire out of it out of it when a million pound was worth a million pound mm. you know and um i was you know it was cocaine and stuff but so I, you know if you think of the the amount of families that i've ruined if i look back just from that point of view and look at because you know it, it does it destroys all drugs you know will destroy the soul and destroy families and uh, and so on and some people last longer than others but they they all fall in the end you can't keep going with, with right. putting that it's not a sustainable body. lifestyle no it's impossible no. so look you know I, 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 that's really uh that that's probably where where it all started you know um well i know for sure i say probably where it started i know for sure now uh knowing what i know now and scripture aligning with my experience that um and and the you know the bible's clear on it first samuel 15 uh, 23 i think it is you know it says you know that rebellion is as the same as witchcraft mm -hmm. all rebellion um and of course you know drug taking is really like sorcery mm. uh, when you're taking stuff to alter your mind and the state of mind that you're in uh, and your view on life it's it's sorcery it's divination this kind of thing and it's very powerful so i was already lined up the devil already had me lined up through generational curses i'm not making excuses i did make my own decisions we have free will we do have free will but when you've got a tremendous force that's driving you because of generational iniquity you're you're set up for failure you might look to the world that you're doing okay and you've got nice flash cars and gold watches and stuff and money but that's all that's just a made-up identity you know that's that was just a mask mm. but but really you know i was a broken boy young boy i used to hide that young boy uh, you know i had a broken spirit and i've I've got a second book that I'm going to be writing. I did mention to you guys earlier, and I'm going to be writing this second book, hopefully start soon. And I, there I'll be talking about, which will be more focused at the at Christians, more on the, the, the deliverance side of things um, mm -hmm. and, and how, you know, we can, how Jesus wants to heal us and heal mm -hmm. our spirit. I, yeah. I, had a bro I had a very broken spirit and um you know there is such a thing as as um where you can be um your spirit can be you know fragmented yeah and i had a fragmented spirit and there's ministry that can go into that and i've done i received a tremendous healing one yeah. one one time it's a healing ministry and uh and i've done this similar ministry quite quite a few times myself it's a wonderful for other people it's a wonderful beautiful thing and and it shows you how much God loves us. How much yeah. Really and before, um, I, I want to put a, a, a pin in this because I want to revisit it sure. in the second half of the show. But how I know there's a lot of people asking about, whoa, 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 if I'm a Christian, why do I need deliverance? And I think there's a lot of confusion with that. Mm. And I mean, you're kind of telling it in your story. Um, yeah. But I really want to like... the 
put a pin in that and we can come back to that uh, towards the end sure. and maybe just have a little bit more focused uh, conversation or you can, you know, even teach about it if you want. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of people who are like, whoa. And I think there's a lot of fear surrounding that topic, uh, you know, with Christians too, where they're like, no, but like, I don't want people to think that I'm not a Christian, that I'm not. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I definitely want to come back to that. Um, but I want to rewind just a little bit and ask, so you you were aware of this dark presence in your home, right? When you were little, was it something that always brought fear, or was it something you were like, "Oh, it's just there"? It did bring fear, but I didn't know. I didn't even speak about it. I didn't know. Hmm. It's, I I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't speak to any adults about it. Hmm. I've recently spoke to my sister, and she said that she used to experience it as well. Hmm. Um, but I mean there was actual stuff that went on that my mum used to see. I mean, pictures turning around and, and stuff like this on the wall, you know, doing a complete 360 and okay, stuff like yeah. this. When they were, she was having an argument with the guy she was with, hmm. all of a sudden the pictures would start, there'd be three pictures and one in the middle would start spinning around and stuff hmm. like this. So there was a, a tremendous, I think there'd been a lot gone on in the home. But the thing is, is, You'll find a lot of the time that they, you know, that the, these demons, you know, they follow the people. You know, it's like you can pray for people when they receive deliverance, their home will be cleaner. You know, you can pray over their home as well. Yeah. But um, so yeah, there was no doubt that um, I think that I think the home there's probably a lot gone on in the house, mm -hmm. but but we was we there was a lot of demonic that was following us because of the uh, occult practices you know yeah and then you said that you always went to like places that seemed like they had more heightened demonic activity and that it was like mm. the demons almost led you there and oh, the yeah. way that i kind of got like a picture in my head was like almost like there's a socket a wall socket in yeah. these places and the demons plug into that and it, it kind of like yeah. seems like it kind of because there's a network of demons, right? Like yeah, you were talking yeah. about. Um, yeah. And I, we've had other people on the show that have talked about that too. So um, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. my I remember before my parents split, they wanted to exchange. We lived in a council home and they wanted to exchange uh, and move to another house. And I remember going there with my mum and we walked up the stairs and I was about seven up maybe. And we walked into this back room and I just looked and it, at the end of the room, I could, it just looked like I was looking into a void, like that just went on and on and on, a black void. And it's like I was looked to see into the spirit, but it was dark and frightening and horrible. And I walked out out the room. I didn't say anything. And as we we went walked down the stairs, and because my mum was quite sensitive to this stuff as well, and uh, she went on to do tarot cards and all that. So she used that kind of gift of prophecy in the wrong way and that's what the devil does he takes a gift from god and he uses it for his his um purposes but when we got went outside and got in the car i said mum i didn't like that back room she said no son i didn't either oh wow so we never took the house but the devil was trying to lead us to to another place where there was you know uh, where he had a lot of influence mm -hmm. so um so yeah definitely these these demons can can be resident but also they follow through networking they follow the people that are that are giving them entry you know mm -hmm. to, to be in in their lives yeah and the question i had in regards to your grandparents because you said they did a lot of occult 
stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I wonder if there are people who, um, I don't know if it's that some people are more spiritually sensitive than others. I, I honestly mm-hmm. don't know, but with your grandparents, were they always aware of, of th- this activity or were they, were they doing these things and it was having this runoff effect on you and your mom and, and yeah. everybody else? Were they aware of all of this kind of? Yeah, they was, they was aware. They was aware, but I don't think, you know, the penny dropped. I'm not so sure that I was actually aware that they was inviting because a lot of it used to go on over here in the UK. I know it's gone on all over the world, witchcraft, yeah. obviously, but it's always been the case. But yeah. um, with the Ouija board and things like that, there was a, a, a sort of, I think maybe from the 50s after the Second World War, they seemed to be almost like a fashionable thing to do it. And I, I don't where, don't know where that, you know, why that became, obviously it's from Satan. So obviously yeah, it's, it's a, a liar. And he's... Exactly, yeah. So I think that, you know, but my grandmother, she used to read tea leaves and stuff like this okay, and, yeah. and read palms. And, and you is might that, think, that would be oh, like divination, isn't it? Or is that maybe it's not? Yeah, yeah, it is divination. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, you know, we was really just caught up in that uh, uh, sort of circle and of, of lies and, and demonic oppression. And, um, you know, they I don't think answering your question, I don't think they fully understood what they was actually doing. Mm. Um, they wasn't, what I'm saying is they wasn't like satanic worshippers. They wasn't like doing it on purpose, you know, in that way. Mm. They was doing it um, because they was obviously, well, they was deceived. That's why sure. they was doing it. But yeah. um, they was, I, it's, it's, I don't really know why they was doing it, obviously, other than they was deceived, but it was quite regular. Mm-hmm. And it, and of course that went on because my my mum ended up getting involved with tarot cards and uh, and, and um, tarot cards sorry and and palm reading and stuff like this and she became an alcoholic you know and that's the thing as well she became a a, a raging alcoholic and um, she tried to take her life a few times you know and so that's another thing you know when you're a young boy of nine or ten you got to get up for school in the morning your mum's bloody and drunk from an argument she's drunk she's suicidal and you're kind of you know sort of um trying to console her you know all of this has a tremendous effect on any child you can't oh, handle yeah. it at that age you just can't oh man you're not, you're, you're not in a you can't do it you're not well and there's something that happens even as like a um you know as a kid going like i need to do something about this you know and as a kid you feel powerless because like i can't take on a full-grown man especially if you're seven eight nine yeah um and there's this thing that can rise up inside people and be like i need to do something about this and i'm gonna do something about this and it sounds like at least as far as your sister protecting your sister goes it sounds like there was some of that i'm sure there was your mom as well you're like i gotta do i gotta i gotta be able to protect them and maybe that kind of fueled your anger as well i mean understandably being in that situation yeah i felt abandoned as well my dad i mean he's still he's still alive bless him and so i'm sharing the gospel with him mm. as regular as possible and he's yeah. a bit of an God, to crack. in jesus name amen so yeah. but you know he's a very was always a very placid man and and he so i felt back then i was abandoned and my grandfather was he didn't like my mum's father, he didn't really come to the rescue, and my uncle, and these were men that were, 
not my father so much, but my uncle and grandfather, these were men that were not shy of having a, a, a fight. You know, they get drunk in a pub and have a fight. But they didn't, this guy was out, he, they were out of his league. So he, they weren't going to take this guy on. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. So I felt abandoned to look after my young sister. And that, funny enough, that went on through life. We still got a very, very strong relationship now, and I've always been protective of her. I think that stood. We run, we run away at one point. We run away together, and mm. went to only went to my run away to my grand grandparents' house as it goes. But um, mm. it was only a few miles away. But you know, it was it was all of that. So there was a lot of abandonment and stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that yeah, there was a lot of hatred there that come in early, you know. Sure. And I did. I, I was just waiting. I grew up. My boys grow into men, and there was a love hate relationship with with this guy because I respected him. He had a lot of um, pull, you know, in the in the underworld. We would go to boxing events. He was well known, and it was a, you know, it was all run by the underworld, and mm-hmm. and um, you know. So and he was a millionaire, you know. He lived in a mansion and stuff. Yeah. And uh, but um, yeah, I just hated him, but respected him at the same time. But when he when he stepped over the line, you know, I was a long way away. I was with a friend doing some business, and I got the call from my sister, and that was it. I drove there, and it took me about an hour and a half to drive there. And you know, I, I went to I said to my mate, drive drive us to so and so's house a guy we was working with and I knew he had some like pistols like pieces put down and and I was at his front door and I said look get us one of them and he said look I can't get you anything to the morning well that was a lie because my mate was standing behind me and he was going whatever you do don't give him okay that so this guy used to race horses and I I picked up a hammer that you shoot in a box in a bucket and yeah and and that's i said right said to me mate right drive me there and that was it so i don't need to say anymore i went there yeah yeah people can connect the dots of what happened yeah i went there with murder in my heart but thank god he pulled through yeah yeah man yeah Yeah. absolutely so you were in your early 20s you were um you know obviously you did that to your Mm. your mom's was it her did did they ever get married or was he just no no they was together for about 15 years but no they never married no yeah and so what happened next i mean you obviously did that he ended up pulling through yeah what what happened next because you're dealing drugs getting money all that stuff yeah see with my book i've touched on bits and pieces but i my my book inside war um is is about and i'm not continually trying to plug the book what i'm no, saying we're gonna plug is, it it's in the what i'm saying is is, is i touched on the, the criminal yeah. world but this 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 is about a book about about deliverance but anyway um what i want to say is um right now i've forgotten the question <laughs> yeah so what happened next after you know you had that altercation with your wife yeah. um you sure. know well, because that happened, I just got catapulted into that world, and um, yeah, I was I was on had a lot of his contacts, so I was really you know involved with. I was just went fully into into that world, and I I'd crossed the I crossed the line. I mean, sure. when he pulled through, he, he he put some money on my head and so on, and so I had to deal with that, and and that didn't come to anything. But um, so there was a bit of a kind of a war going on but that petered out and um and i just got 
I, I, because I'd crossed that line, that was it. I just got more and more angry and violent. Um, and because I had to keep that face, I had to keep that front going now, you know, because I'd crossed that line. Mm-hmm. I had to keep, um, I had to keep going. And, and that's what happened. And I just got more and more violent, but I didn't know how to switch it off. I mean, crazy stuff, you know, just being a, in a, in a, we used to, we call them boozers over here, being a boozer with one other guy. And it's, you know, there'd be, we'd be knives out and five or six people seriously wounded, you know, and, and stuff like that. It was just tremendous uh, violence at that completely. And it was a lot of it was drug induced. Oh, sure. You know, I'd be drinking and then, you know, on the cocaine. So you're just completely shot away and you just think you're, you know, you're untouchable. Um, and, you know, when you are like that, you are just, you know, crazy. You know, you're just off the wall. It's demons. You know, you're full of, full of, full of demonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I use that reputation and that violence to, uh, to, to uh, for my own benefit, to, you know, because in that world, you people, when they know you're like that, you know, they will pay you what they owe you, you know, and that's really, so I use that. And that was just a common thing. You know, if you had a pushover, chances are he'll get, he would need someone tough around him to make sure or, or, you know, a gang of some sort to make sure that he was going to be looked after. But so with me, I kind of fitted that bill. I was like, you know, I don't get me wrong. I wasn't just, you know, I'm not trying to glorify anything, but I, you know, I did, I did, I had some of this up there, but I also would, you know, sort of go Persuade the other way as well. To, to do. Yeah. Well, there's a lady, yeah. um, she, d- does a lot of deliverance and all this. Her name's Katie Souza. She was here in America. She was a, a a collector. She would go to people's houses, and if they didn't pay up, she would yeah. shoot them in the kneecaps. You know, and so she was yeah. she was that person. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So so basically, to to I I you know I didn't go back to saying the book. I didn't go back to jail anymore. But really, I said that you know every hour of every day. I was like I was in jail because, right. you know, I was so, I was like double-minded, you know, and that's a condition that needs, you know, deliverance. You know, I had a, I was double-minded. I, I've explained it like sort of monkey brains in a way where I'd be on one branch and I'd swing over to the other branch of the tree and then I'd swing back the other way, mm-hmm. like double-mindedness. Yeah. And I'd be constantly like that. So I'd have to be, you know, I, I, making decisions was what, I could make work decisions around, you know, I could organize people and stuff like that. But when it came to uh, decisions in my private life or anything that meant any, was any good, um, you know, I could never do it because I was just too confused. And I, I would, you know, unfortunately I did at times take violence in back into the home because it, it was become my identity. And the thing is when a young boy is not um, kind of confused, I say confirms like initiated when he's young. I think the crucial ages are between like 12 and 15. So a young boy needs to be initiated by his, his dad. And that is like, you know, taking him to work. And, and of course, all through history, you know, if you had a farmer, chances are the boy would be a farmer, a carpenter, the boy would be with fuller, fuller. So the, naturally the father would take the boy with him and, I know these situations don't always work out, but generally that, that you know, she, he would leave the mum and about that age, would the, the dad would sort of initiate him and take him into the world, prepare him. 
giving me his identity. Okay. And, um, and that never happened with me. So, and it doesn't happen for so many boys and girls, you know, girls need to be initiated by their fathers just as much. They, you know, and there's been books written on this, like Wild at Heart, you know, John Eldridge, tremendous book, you know, and, and um, you know, he, he really covers this stuff and it's, it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Thankfully, God is a God of love and, and, and our true father. And he, he wants to initiate us, yeah. you know, and, and even when our dad does it, he can only take us so far, even if we have been initiated by, by our father. He can only take us so far. But I didn't have that identity. I didn't know who I was. So I made one up. And I made it up on what was around me, which were villains. Yeah. And then I thought, well, well if you can't beat them, join them. And mm -hmm. if I'm going to be one, I'm going to be a good, I'm going to be like, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be the best. Uh, the best. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Not not a good one. That's the wrong yeah. phrase. But the best. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do it as, as best of my ability. And, um, yeah. And it's just, that's just a messed up thing, you know. Right. So, uh, but you don't know it. And, you know, when you're limited on choices, well, you feel, you feel that you're limited on choices, you go with the, with the obvious one that's in front of you. And that's what happens so much with these kids, you know, and, and so confused and lost and um, not initiated by a father figure. And so they, and that, that what happens with that as well, and again, this is stuff that I've read, you know, but I can align it with my own experiences. When you haven't been initiated by your dad, you go into relationships with a woman and you're looking to be validated by the woman, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's never going to work because we should have our own, we, the strength should come from the man. The man and women are made different. They're both in the image of God, but we're made different for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so, what, so the man should bring the strength to, to the, to the, you know, to the to the marriage. You know, ideally the marriage, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. And the woman brings brings. You know, you know, obviously the genitalia is different for a reason. Sure. So the woman the woman encapsulates the man. The man brings something. Mm -hmm. The man brings strength. She enca encapsulates the strength. Yeah. With love, and mm -hmm. the two commune, and 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 that's perfect in God's eyes in marriage. You know, in a godly marriage. Mm -hmm. But if he hasn't doesn't know who he is, when he comes into that relationship, he's looking to be validated by the feminine and not the masculine. Yeah. And what happens is he's looking, he's he's going into it looking for something from her. He's already handicapped. He's already going in limping, looking for something from her rather than bringing her something what she needs. Yeah. The woman needs wants to be the damsel in distress and be rescued by her knight in shining armor and mm. we can play that part but if if we don't know what our identity is that right. only lasts for so long because it's an act yeah eventually that act is gonna that mask is gonna drop and then we, we don't know who we are so we're looking for our identity in that in that woman then right and she can't give it the feminine can't give a masculine identity it's not yeah it's not capable as much as she will try yeah so these things are amazing. When you start to study this stuff, you realize that so much of it is really true. And, you know, and look, we are in a fallen world, so you're never going to get a perfect situation. But that initiation is very important for young boys and young girls. Yeah, a young girl needs, needs to know that she's she's loved and she's worth fighting for, worth yeah. saving. That it's affirmation from a father, I think, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, so important.
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go off too much, but I think it's good to bring that because that sure. was another part of my story that was completely missing. Even though my dad, bless him, he's still around now. It's that the, the brokenness happened in them early years and you can't change that. Only, only, only the love of God can, can heal that That's right. deep, deep wounding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so you, you kind of found yourself kind of going more international after a little while, right? Like, yeah. was it that you were looking for something or was it that business took you to other places? Yeah. What do you... Interesting stuff that happened that kind of led you to this place of, I guess the path to, to God coming yeah. into your life, right? Absolutely. Well, the identity, um, as I said, I, the more you, you know the more people you connect with in that business you you're looking to always as we we say like ring the bell and that's to get the big one all the time and back in like the 80s and 90s you know um uh, you know and even the early 2000s I, you know it, you everyone was trying to connect with colombians because if you can get it at source then you're paying two three thousand dollars for a kilo and it's worth in the uk drugs for those people that don't yeah know. sorry yeah that's Vicky, cocaine right? yeah yeah a kilo of cocaine two or three yeah. thousand a couple of thousand dollars us dollars and of course so so that was always in in the mind was to secure that because if you've get if you get one ton of that you know uh delivered to the uk that's that's a lot of money that's like yeah. 40 million pounds wow um yeah. so you're always kind of looking but that that seeking that looking for that kind of um wealth was really it was more the identity it was just valid uh, you needed to be valid validated in some way and um so you would tend to look for and i didn't care whether i i mean thankfully i never went back to jail anymore but i didn't care i would go and buy you know go on meets and buy and, and sometimes with people I didn't know, but someone would vouch for them and, you know, you're exchanging half a million pounds or something. Of course, you're going to get 10, 15 years on a good day, you know, for that. So at any one time, I was always looking at life. So you, you get hard. And so that all goes with a drink and drug, don't care kind of cowboy attitude. You know, you, you it's like you... You're just swag swaggering into a bar, getting drunk, and and like you've just done a deal, and okay, well I'm still around, you know they ain't swooped us and whatever, and and you just sort of live for the day, and the whole thing around the identity, well that's your identity. I don't care, I'm a cowboy. I'll you know I'll walk into any situation, and it just you just keep living the lie. But you know what, the little boy, the frightened boy inside, he was, I just pushed him so far deep down and away. I refused to accept that I had any fear and any fear that I did feel, I just pushed on to him. Mm. And it was very real. That little boy had a voice. And whenever I was in a more of a relaxed situation where I was away from that world, that little boy would often come up and try and speak wow. and, and show and And I would, that's when I would feel frightened, you know, and um, that's when I would feel the fear because he was, it was like he was surfacing. And I did, a part of my spirit was broken off. It's a very real thing. You know, it's a, you know, fragmentation. It's a very real thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
So you went uh, to, did you end up going to Columbia? Like you actually went there? No. What happened? This is this is where my story of of getting really into bad a bad state really sort of comes away from what I was doing for a living because I was very I'd found myself on my own again, broken, now living in a trailer on on the south coast of England, and I was I was so depressed and even suicidal that I was trying to really you know I had bags of money in the in the in the cupboards and everything and. I didn't even know what I had after time. You know, I'd come across a bag of money that I didn't even remember putting somewhere. And so I was now really just passively trying to drink myself to death. I, you know, I just not divorced, but separated. I had two young, I've got four daughters, but two young children with the woman that I was married to. With that, I tried to make it work, but you can't, when you've taken so much brokenness into a relationship and you're both not haven't got christ in your life oh, yeah. it's it's not going to work right it's so train wreck yeah and she it's right and she was not as bad as me but she still got a lot of stuff in the in the in the closet if you like so um i was now on my own drinking myself passively to death really just got very sick after a few months and someone said to me a, a dear friend of mine as it goes he doesn't know the lord but i'm praying for him a lot nowadays and he said, if you go to Peru, to the Amazon jungle, there's a thing called ayahuasca. It's a potion that you can drink with Shipibo. Well, you didn't say Shipibo. He said with tribes out there. So I sort of got myself together. I was on my last legs. And I felt something had even entered me in that trailer. You know, one night I was seeing dark spirits flying all around me. Wow. And this went on for weeks. And... Uh, I got a minister, a guy that was ministering to me afterwards, you know, years later said that they were, he believed, believed those to be spirits of death. Mm. I mean, I definitely had a spirit of death anyway, but I mm. think something entered me. I did feel that one night. So I was there, you know, taking amphetamines a lot. So I'd be up buzzing for days and then I'd be all the time drinking and then I'd crash out with a drink. And, and so, I, you know, someone come to visit me and I didn't even know they was there for nearly three days. And the, the trailer was only 35 foot long. Yeah. I was completely shot away for free. Didn't even know they was in the in the trailer. Anyway, I got myself together and I went to the Amazon jungle. And now I'm with a Shipibo tribe four hours down the Amazon river from the nearest town, uh, Iquitos. And I'm now involved with these ceremonies. Um, and there was about 14 or 15 other Westerners there, some Americans, New Zealand people and, and stuff, Indonesia and uh as well um and i see things in there you wouldn't wish anyone to see i i felt a spirit coming up said they they worship the anaconda spirit which is you know okay. obviously it's a demonic spirit right all their tapestries are all uh you know woven around the anaconda spirit they say when you take the ayahuasca potion that the, the anaconda spirit takes your spirit the human spirit on a journey of, of wow. cleansing and healing it takes you through the river, up through the jungle, and, and all of this. So, Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. When I was under it, when I was under the witch, witch doctors, the shamans there, as they was, you know, obviously um, doing their thing, you know, in this hut, this ceremony hut, um, I felt this spirit come up through me, um, and I, when I held my head, it felt like the shape of an anaconda, and I had even felt its skin 
Oh, wow. And it's, and it's eye sockets, and it was big. It was like twice the size of my head, if not bigger. Um, and then it would go back down and then come back up. And then this other guy, I've called him Tom in the book, he, um, all of a sudden, he was making some really crazy noises, like almost like Jurassic-type sounds. Okay. And guys started to scream for their lives because I looked and this demon was coming out of him. So you could actually see with your I own eyes at this demon. point. Yeah, yeah, it looked, yeah, I could see it. looked thousands of years old. He had a big round head, really crinkly skin, very long slit, slit eyes. But his eyes, I never noticed his eyes open and a big flat nose. And it just would come out of him and make the same noises. And he would just be sat there with his legs crossed. And then the demon would go back into him. And then he would hold his head up and start making the same noises. Wow. Like a clicking, horrible screeching sound. There were men and women in that hut screaming for their lives. So it might be, you know, ayahuasca might be a psychedelic, but it's it's so, but everybody was experiencing this. And it's not, I'd taken acid and things in, throughout my life, different things. This was not, nothing like, this is a spiritual thing. This is it's witchcraft at its worst, I think. You know, one, one of the worst ways you can, and and these these people have been doing this for thousands of years. And mm. they're really, really you know you're connecting with demonic realms big time yeah oh clearly. And, um, yeah and i was rolling around this spirit was coming out and then as it went and then it was kind of aligning what was was already inside of me i'd lived a life of you know on the front line for satan doing terrible things so i'd already had a lot of darkness in me it was aligning with me and uh i was rolling around holding my throat i could feel it going through my throat into my stomach and then I would vomit. Sometimes it makes you vomit as well, or ayahuasca. And I was rolling around saying, you know, I'm not evil, you're not coming into me, wow. which was kind of ironic because right. you know, for me to lay a you know, roll around saying that I'm not evil, you're not coming into me was, you know, I was really had no idea of of the evil that was, was inside of me. And and it was just aligning with this guy mm -hmm. with what was in him. Anyway, we got through that night and um a few days before then, they'd taken us to a tree that they called the Sacred Tree. A very, very old thing, very, very big, wide. I don't know, you could look at it, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And they worship this tree as well. And, and in my kind of naivety, I said to the shamans, you should take him and out of the camp and tie him to the tree and get that out of him. So in my naivety, I thought that was possible. Now I know only the Holy Spirit can expel Satan. And yeah. when I spoke to the guy, everyone was giving him a wide berth. But when I spoke to that man, he said that he'd invited a man into his house. He was involved with sorcery. He was already involved with different kinds of uh, occult anyway. But when he invited this specific guy in and they was doing stuff with crystals and that, he felt something entering. He happened to be an English guy as well. Um, so I've called him Tom in the book. But mm -hmm. um, he... Um, yeah, so I, I got that, but everyone was giving him a wide berth now. And I, after that, I came away. I said, there's no way I'm doing any more of that. And I tried to talk other people out of not going back in. Interesting. But they was very, very frightened. And the second on the second ceremony, I was now just thinking, is this going to start coming up again through this guy? And sure enough, I was on my own now. I stayed away from it in a, in a hut about 50 yards away. And I was frightened, and I could hear it. Once they'd taken it, about an hour later, all of a sudden this thing started manifesting again, clicking and making these Jurassic terrible sounds. And wow! 
And I just got on my knees and I was frightened because I was still feeling kind of, even though I took nothing else, I was still feeling sick and just the, the atmosphere you could oh, yeah. the knife in the jungle, real heavy. Just satanic. I'm sure just like. And I, yeah. I, I got on my knees and at that point, that's when I went into a default mode. And this was the crunch, although I didn't realize it at the time. I went to Sunday school a couple of times because they gave you chocolate at the end with, with some <laughs> kids at school. Twice, maybe. That was it. Yeah. But I got on my knees and I was, I had my, and I've been in some rough situations in my life. I wasn't, you know, easily frightened, but I was now. This, because this wasn't human. It was, it was something, it was supernatural. I was out yeah, on my knees. You couldn't fight with all of no. your brawn and Nothing. aggression. Yeah. You couldn't fight it. Yeah, and I got on my knees, and when that started screeching and clicking again, I was frightened, and I, I got on my knees and in that hut on my own, and I said, Jesus, please help me. Mm. Please help them people in that hut. Please, God, Jesus, please. And I had tears in my eyes, and I remember mm. closing my eyes and thinking of when my mum had dropped me to that church when I was a very young boy and walking in the big wooden door slamming and, and seeing you know, Jesus on the cross and stuff like that. And I just kind of was just through sheer desperation. I was, in a way, selfishly um, praying. But that's what we do. You know, God mm -hmm. doesn't look at it as selfish. You know, he, right. he, he's, he's, so that was the point, I think, the turning point. Because when the shaman came into me the next morning, he said, was you praying last night? He could never have known that. Right. Because no yeah. one had come into the hut. And I went, and he sat down and, like he was peeling a banana and he looked at me and he was kind of like trying to telepathically read my thoughts, I think. And I said, yeah, I was praying. And he said, who? And I said, Jesus. Might have even done the cross sign, Jesus. And he got up and walked off stone-faced. So I think, now I, I, I don't know whether we're always a Christian and then all of a sudden we come to Christ. You know, obviously the Bible says that he knew us before the foundation of the world, predestined mm -hmm. us to be in his son. Yeah, but I certainly wasn't anything like a Christian. But I prayed really from the heart, crying out to God. And and that man come in the next day, and I'm I'm pretty sure now looking back that the Holy Spirit was messing up their plans. Oh yeah, you know clearly. Yeah, he had to have seen. I I'm wondering if he saw something happening. Yeah, in the other t in the other hut mm. while you were praying. Because uh, I've heard other people tell similar things um, mm. with people who aren't in alignment with the Lord, seeing yeah. other people praying, and they're like, "What are you doing? Why are you praying?" You know. Mm, yeah. So. So yeah, um, I can keep going. I mean, you know. Yeah, we got a little time, man. Let's let's. We got uh, a bit of time. So, I think everybody's like, "What happened?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I we got through that fifteen days in the jungle, and I didn't go back in naturally anymore, and as. I kept trying to talk other people to come out and they started to pull away. And towards the end, there was about half that was in the, in the hut with me. And, but, but the other half carried on. Um, we couldn't get out of there. The the, uh, the boat was picking us up after 15 days. So, you know, it was probably 40 miles away from anywhere. I think from the key kind of just stuck there. Yeah, I was because like I didn't have any um, like um, army experience. The the, the Amazon jump, uh, river zigzags, you couldn't follow the river. You know, there's wild animals everywhere. They right. said yeah, to us like, like don't even sentence. Yeah, yeah. They said to us, don't even bathe alone. 
in the river because of the anacondas around here. You know, do it in numbers to make a noise. So, you know, the reality was we were stuck there. I was stuck there. And anyway, they come and picked us up. We went back to Iquitos. And um, I stayed, I went, I left there, I left there, and they wanted to go on and do other stuff in Machu Picchu and so on. But I, I left there and I went, I did go to a place called Cusco in the mountains. There was a girl that I started seeing as well, an American girl. I called her Stella in the book. Um, I don't always bring that in, although it's a huge part of my story in the book, and it is a huge part of my story. She was involved with the occult. Uh, she was based in Oregon, and I didn't know she was a massage therapist and so on, and I thought she was a nice person because she was involved with Reiki and all of this, and I didn't yeah. know one thing from another. And mm -hmm. and um, But look, at the end of the day, we started, at that point, a three-year relationship. Now, I she went home and then flew back out and met me again in Peru in Cusco, and we spent about six weeks there in the mountain regions, drinking a lot. Uh, but at that point, things really started to open up now. The demonic was really coming at me tremendously. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night. I was felt like I was being held down. I mean, a fingernail going from the top, it felt like a fingernail from the top of my head all the way down to the top of my forehead, like, like felt like a nail being drawn down. Every time I would close my eyes, I would see like reptilian eyes looking back at me. Wow. So I was now having to drink just to sleep at night. Wow. And I was really opened up. At one point, I was doing the uh, pendulum on the end of my bed in Cusco. This was before this girl came out. And um, I was asking, you know, what, what I should do next. So I was, I was, you know, doing the same stuff. I was, you know, I was involved with the occult, obviously. I was, all of it was, was witchcraft. But, mm -hmm. you know, I had the ayahuasca stone on, a, on the end of a, like a, you know, a, a leather strap type thing that was around my neck called and i when i asked it what my next move was um you know it went whether i should stay there or not it went about 45 degrees so i'll do it this way with my finger about 45 degrees stayed there for about two seconds and then went back down again like wow. that now that's seriously that's how much i had the demonic around me at that so point. even even after your experience of seeing jesus yeah. calling on jesus yeah in the in peru yeah. You you were still kind of going to this default mode of occult stuff. Oh, yeah, cuz I didn't understand what repentance was. I didn't understand what it meant. I, I didn't know that God even I cried out selfishly to Jesus. I didn't know that he's a true living God and and mm -hmm. you know risen and I didn't understand any of that. I didn't understand Christianity. So I cried out in fear, which was a default thing mode. But when I was back, you know, in in the sort of you know uh, uh, back to a basic environment again i was then yeah looking to the occult you know and um because i'd gone to clairvoyance a lot in my past because i was it was in my family it was a normal thing to you know go to clairvoyance fortune tellers and stuff like that palm readers so i'd done that throughout my life because it was in my family it was like it was a normal thing to do so i was always classed myself as being spiritual mm. but you know and but it was Obviously, it was demonic, but so these things started to happen to me in 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 Cusco, and she came out. We started a relationship, and um, but as she went after we spent six weeks, she went back to Oregon to tell her husband that she was leaving him. Mm. 
and I went back to London and now I was seeing demonic children waking up at three o'clock in the morning, seeing a child about seven years of age looking at me with black, big black long eyes just middle of the night and I looked at it two or three times and then it just sort of waiting for me to make a move just looking at me and then it giggled its right arm went up and it giggled behind its hand like a like an innocent child would but it was just giggling at my fear my tremendous Mm. fear and I just looked up and again I went god please help me and then it disappeared but that was there probably seven eight seconds and that's like a lifetime when you're looking at a, a demon like I'm like I'm looking at it, like you now. It was as clear as anything in the room, two feet away, three feet away from me. I was getting poked around all the, under my ribs. I was completely, completely, uh, you know, in, in the hands of of the demonic. And so now I'm taking diazepam to try and sleep. Now she was back in Oregon, so we would speak on a laptop sometimes. I went back to the trailer that I was living in. And uh, so I've gone back to the place where it all began, really, you know, where I was suicidal and I'm now drinking and I kind of come full circle. But now I've got so much more evil in my life. Yeah. And now as this carries on, I realized that I've got to take my life is the only way out of this. And something happened in the trailer. I was getting poked and the sheet was being pulled off my hips and I just got so just frozen with fear and I kind of clung onto the the door frame quickly got dressed early hours of the morning and drove back i had a set of keys to my mum's place and i drove back there in in uh, south london and i laid on her sofa at four o'clock in the morning and i was just every time i would close my eyes these demon faces was, was coming through this opening like a i always say like the shamans had opened this like I, my head had gone through a spiritual membrane uh-huh. and and i was just under attacked by these demons and i had no way of protection it was like um so every time i would close my eyes they would come in at me and in the end i just laid there and i was just exhausted and i just and i almost willed them to just come and i closed my eyes and that's when i was given a vision of a man in a lowly position to my right here in a lowly position and he was a slim man it was a side profile and he was wearing uh a crown of thorns and that gives it a wave but he didn't have long hair he had short i say short it was halfway down not quite to the neck curly okay short cropped curly beard and he had a prominent nose and his mouth was moving and that went on for a few seconds and all of a sudden pop everything went to black he disappeared and as i opened and closed my eyes like a dozen times the the demons that have been coming in through that hole in my membrane if you like i'll explain it that way some would say the third eye. I don't want to get into new agey terms. Right. You would yeah. call it the third eye had been opened up. And um, that had been closed. And I knew at that point that, that that man there represented Jesus Christ because the crown of thorns. And I right. knew at that point that there was a, a, I realized that there was a fight on for my soul. And I laid there and tears rolled down my side of my cheeks from my, well, from my eyes, one either side. I heard them drop onto the pillar. And I just, I just said, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And at that point, I started to read the Bible. Mm. In fact, someone dropped some Bibles outside my mum's place randomly. God was no moving. And I started to read the Bible. And then God started to show me about scriptures of Jezebel in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I realized that I was being attacked 
as I started to understand more and more that I was being attacked by something that was linked to Jezebel. And whenever this woman was in America, uh, back in Oregon, I would get tremendously attacked by this spirit Jezebel. So you think she had a, a well, I'm sure you know, she had a Jezebel spirit. Oh, she had a Jezebel spirit. I see, I see a demon. I mean, we, 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 I know we've used quite a lot of time, but it's, it's all in my book. And, but I see a demon manifest in her one, one, one day and she walks across the kitchen and it, and, and it, it looked, she just like, she was like a mummy. Like, you know, she was shuffling her feet and, um, she had cataracts on her eyes and she was just mummified, like walking along. It only lasted a, a short while, a few seconds, but I just left. I grabbed the keys and I left. I was in Oregon at the time. I stood on the Columbia River and I knew that she had a demon and I knew that I was just as bad. I didn't know what was in me, but I knew I was in a bad place. Yeah. Well, by that time, God had revealed to me a Christian healing and deliverance ministry. And when I looked at it, very frightened I was because the, 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 the demonic didn't want me to, to come to the truth. I knew that I had to go to this place. My, in fact, my mum had been in a local town and a man come up to her and said, you need to give this to somebody you know. And when I, she came, I came to, went to her house like a day, that day or whenever it was or the next day, she mm -hmm. said, someone's just given me this card. I don't understand what, what even what deliverance is. And when I looked at it, it was it was Christian deliverance from demons and curses. Okay. And at that point, I knew that I needed I needed to go somewhere away from the world to a sanctuary, a holy. I was reading the Bible by that time, and whenever I was getting attacked by the Jezebel spirit, I'd get on my knees and I would be praying, Jesus, nothing can separate your love from me, because it just felt like my brain was being drawn out of my skull complete just shut down mm. and um and and, and I, I limped into this christian healing and deliverance ministry and it was there that i was taught because by that time i've been baptized as well okay okay i don't want to run it uh, try not to sort of forget things because it's important all of these points but i i knew that that jesus was my only way i knew i had to burn all the bridges behind me and I went to the Israel, I went to Israel to the River Jordan because I wanted to be as close to God as possible. And in my mind, I didn't understand much about Christianity, but I knew Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And I wanted to go there and be in the same place. So I went there and I was baptized there and I came back. But I promised to repent when the pastor baptized me, of course. I promised to repent. But that went in one ear and out the other. Sure. I went back to London and I was still drinking and taking guys mm. a pan and because I didn't understand what repentance was. But when I walked into this healing and deliverance ministry, it was there that I was taught about true godly sorrow. All right. It was it was uh, the first course was a nine day course. I went on there where you lived there for nine days. I went back and done six months after that. But I walked in there and I spent an after that week. I understood what godly sorrow was, true repentance, and everything I'd done, I'd done against God. And I knew that he was reaching out to me and he wanted to set me free. And I was there and I knew he loved me and I knew that he was trying to, trying to deliver me and wanted to deliver me. I understood what deliverance was and what these demons were doing. And, and I knew I had a lot of stuff inside. And when I understood that, I got on my knees and I truly gave my life to Jesus Christ. Mm. I said, please forgive me. Please come into my heart. I surrender my life to you, mm. Jesus. And at that point, uh, the next day, actually, they had a, at the center, they had a healing uh, Jesus Hills Day where a few hundred people came in from outside. 
and you'd have your prayer ministers after biblical teaching you would have your prayer ministers in pairs sit around the edge and after the teaching we all went up and stood in a line to be sent to our prayer minister team and i was my legs were jelly i could only see half the hall i was shaking i had hot temperature i was in a right old state but i and i went to try and escape and come out the doors leave leave the place and a woman a woman that had prayed with me on the bench by the river she said tony you really need prayer her voice was all echoing and i signed like a you know walked up to the line like a delirious boy with yeah. high temperature little boy and i Anyway, I waited. She sent me to the to these two guys, ministers, and I sat there on the third chair. There was two chairs sitting in front of me. There were, and they graciously said to me. One of them said, "What is it that you need ministry prayer for?" And I said, "I think the list is long." Mm. And I said, "I want to. I just want to repent for this witchcraft that I've been involved with in the jungle. I've been involved with a lot of different things throughout my life, drugs and crime." And and so I was kind of repenting of a lot of stuff, but it was the witchcraft. And as soon as I repented, they started praying for me, and I felt something coiled in the bottom of my spine, come up the back of my spine, and I made a grunt sound, like my diaphragm, and went, I sort of grunted. Mm-hmm. And then my, my head shook a couple of times, and I felt like coils come out my back, the back of my head. They always come out the back of the neck. Interesting. When, when they're on the spine. Wow. They come out, and my head went a bit like that, and three or four coils, and I felt the spirit. I felt a, I felt a serpent spirit leave me. It was like it was tangible, like I could feel it. It wasn't yeah. just oh, a little feeling. It was like I felt it yeah. come out the back of my neck. Wow. At that point, I had clarity, um, and I, I, I don't think I even thanked them. I might have thanked them. I just stood up, and I walked through the crowd out to the side, and I just walked into a field, and, of course, I was just thanking Jesus. And at yeah. that point, I realized that I'd just been to something, something had just been a, a, a serpent spirit and Leviathan spirit had just been expelled from me mm. by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And that's what that at that point I realized that what did I realize? Well, I realized the power, the, 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 the truth in, in Christ, that, that he truly is sovereign. He is God. Yeah. And that when we repent and and trust in him and agree with what he wants to do, because that's what Amen. repentance is, he's turning yep. around, looking at him and saying, yes, Jesus, I'm sorry, I agree with what you want to do for me. Yeah. And all he wants to do is deliver us and set us free. And when, I, and when he'd done that, that was the road to true sanctification. Wow. And I've been, I went back there and I had lots more deliverance mm-hmm. and a lot of healing as well. That was yeah. a real big one. That was the big one. But I did have a lot more healing after that because God wants to get to the real damage that's been done to us as children. He wants to heal us. He wants us fully restored. So he, so we're fully restored in him because he does then want to use us to share him with the world because he loves us all. We're all created in his image. And, he's, and as we know the scripture, it's, you know, he gave his son that not, not one should perish, that whoever believes in him will receive eternal life. And he wants to heal us and deliver us and set us free mm-hmm. and, and give us his truth. And that, you know, that is for us to then go on and share that truth and to yeah. be a, a, a lamp, a lamp, a light for him, a city yeah. on a hill that all can see. That's right. Well, the thing I love about the, how we just took some time to really chronicle what 
what you've been through mm. and the fact that you are now a new creation, mm. right? Um, like the Bible says, is we have a lot of young people right now that are in new age, that are in the occult. Um, yeah. And in some ways I look at it and I see that God is, that the veils feel is a lot more thin between the spiritual world and, and the physical world and that a lot of people are becoming very sensitive to that, both yeah. in proper alignment and not in proper alignment. Yeah. But as a result, people are starting to go towards new age. And I think it's just, it is a counterfeit. And um, yeah. I know I said that we, I wanted to talk about um, deliverance, deliverance while being a Christian and mm. being saved. But I actually have a better idea. I would love to have you come back for a part two and we can talk a lot mm. about it. Cause that's like, that's kind of a loaded topic. Um, yeah. And there's some other stuff, other points on hit. So if you're open to it, I would love to have you back. Yeah, for um, sure. Because yeah, we're out of time, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I would love to have this be a three-hour-long episode. <laughs> yeah, but, no, it's, no, I'd love to come back. And yeah. you know, it's, yeah, would love to. Yeah, 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 we'll we'll work something out. So everybody, I know mm -hmm. what I said. <laughs> we're gonna put a pin in it, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna have him back. Um, but yeah, I think this is such a powerful message for people in my generation, not even in my generation, but you know, any generation where they found themselves in this place of like, Oh, cause it does seem like you always, you would have these experiences, these, these negative experiences, and you would continue to just go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like this, maybe a moment of, Oh, I feel better, but then it would get worse. And you're like, Oh, if I do it more, it's kind of like, Honestly, with a lot, what I hear a lot of drug addicts do as well, where it's like they'll they'll start with one drug and that doesn't do it for them anymore, so they take more, and then they're like, "Oh, I need to switch to something else," and oh, I need to take yeah. more of that. And yeah, um, so yeah. Well, let me just bring this scripture because I heard this preached when I was in Scotland a few weeks ago, and I thought it was wonderful the way the pastor pre preached this, and and I just want to bring this because I was a pearl. I was a I was a merchant looking for the perfect pearl. Okay, so you, you'll know the scriptures, Matthew 13, verses 45 and 46. And Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, and I was like that's I was like that merchant. I was and, and this is kind of uh, just reflecting on what you're talking about there, Jeff, because so many people that are in the new age, they're seeking the great pearl of price. They're seeking the truth. That's good. And, it, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the great pearl of price. When you, when you, when you um, realize that and, and, and come to him and be set free by him, he is the one that completes you and gives you what your, what your heart, your soul and spirit is looking for. All right. So, I was like that merchant. I involved, looked into some Buddhism, the law of attraction, the power of intention, all of these things. You know, John, well, sorry, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, when you pray, uh, we, what you are praying for, believe that you've received it and it shall mm -hmm. be yours. Now, what the devil does, he counts, he counterfeits. So he's took that and in the new agey thing, People think if they align themselves, whatever they ask for, they can receive it. And that, I kind of used to do that a lot. I'd get a yeah, new kind of manifesting or whatever they manifesting, call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, because you're all part of the universe. You're uh -huh. a particle. So when you when you think it, it goes out into the universe and then it comes back. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's that's rubbish. Okay. Right. But what, <laughs> it what, is what, rubbish. Yeah. yeah. But what the devil's done is he's took that 
and he's counterfeited it. But what God is saying through his Christ, through his son, Christ, through, through Jesus, Jesus is saying, in fact, that when you, whatever you ask the Father, you can line it with other scriptures, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he shall give you. Yep. Okay, but you've got to come to Christ, come to Christ first. And what he wants to give you is whatever aligns with the will of God. So if we want to align ourselves with the will of God that created us, created us and all things, then it's there. The, tr the word is true. And Jesus is telling us with his own mouth that whatever you ask for, you shall receive it if you ask for it in my name. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amen. But um, unfortunately, the devil counterfeits. He takes something that God said and he turns it around and, and, and you know, deceives us. Uh, and of course, this is what goes on so much with the uh, with the new age. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. And it, it, it gives you it's like it can maybe some people they do it and they they feel like they get like a moment of peace but it, you're bringing in so much other stuff and i think your your testimony shows yeah. what that stuff you know brings brings mm -hmm. in and yeah. also th that jesus was really the thing you were looking for and that in those Absolutely. moments where you called on his name you felt yeah you felt a measure oh of yeah 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 that merchant you know looking for different different you're looking for uh you know trading in different different uh gems if you like which is you know sampling life which is mostly bad for you you know and that's drink drugs crime uh, other religious false religious belief systems you know like buddhism and stuff like that you know you're searching like a merchant in this you know we're all searching for that great pearl of the, the pearl of great price mm -hmm. which is Jesus Christ. That's right. That's He's right. the one that completes it. Yeah. Well, everybody, the, if you have anybody who's in the occult, uh, occult practices or, you know, new age, whatever it is, um, and you've been talking to them about the Lord, like send them this, send them this interview, send them this episode. Um, and actually, Tony, what I'm going to have you do is just pray for, pray for people as you feel led. You can pray. Yeah you know, for the, the unsaved people that are in new age, what, whatever, wherever you feel like the Lord is leading you, but let's, um, I'll uh, give you some time to do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lord. I just thank you so much for this time, this precious time, Lord, to, to share you, Lord, the truth, you know, and I know we've, we've, we've shared, I've shared testimony, but Lord, you know, it comes back to you, you know, this is, you're the one that's truly sets us free. And I just pray for these, these people now, listeners and viewers, Lord, um, because you're going to touch people, you know, with this two, three years, five years right. from now. It doesn't have to be next week or yep. tomorrow. So, Lord, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good, Lord, that you truly want to set us free, Lord. And uh, I just pray for these people now, Lord, that you will speak to them, Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. And just as, as you've done with us, Lord, to show us that you are the, the true great pearl of, of Christ, the great pearl of price you are the one that can truly set us free and as your word says and the truth and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free lord only you can set the captives free you came to heal the broken hearted and to set the captives free and so i just pray father god that you would release that anointing that blessing over each and every person that watches and listens to this lord and I just pray for their healing. And above all, I pray for their salvation in you. And I just pray courage. Give them the courage, Holy Spirit, to turn to you, Jesus, 
And as much as the devil will be trying to stop them from doing it, Lord, I pray you would cover them, guard them on all sides with your heavenly host and give them the courage to get on their knees, Lord, and to say to you, Jesus, I repent. I agree with what you want to do for me, and that's to set me free and give me eternal life. I choose you, Lord. You are the great pearl of price. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. This is great, Tony. Uh, I'm I'm so excited for the breakthrough it's going to bring people. Uh, I know that there are people who are watching this who don't even know the Lord that have been in, um, you know, dabbling in in not uh, ungodly mm-hmm. things. And I, I I just can't wait to hear testimonies in the years to come. To be completely honest, uh, so um, Tony, how uh, you you have a social media presence, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. So inside War Ministries which is Facebook and Instagram. Um, I've just got a website that will be up and running very soon, which is Inside War Ministries, and also a YouTube channel, um, which at the moment is Tony Maisie. So if you just put my name in, you'll see that there. But you'll see, you can, or you can find it if you tap in Inside War. Mm. Uh, there's a few videos on there. Um, God willing, I'll be doing something similar to yourself, hopefully. And the live thing is what the Lord's been putting on my heart. Awesome. I think it's time for us to go live. Awesome. You know, we've, we've, we want to go live. We want to be speaking to people live and praying for people live. So, um, so yeah, hopefully that will be something in the near future that Amen. I'll be doing. So um, we can connect up with that as well. And, yeah, I look forward to seeing um, that. Yeah. yeah. So all of that stuff that he, you know, the drill people, all that stuff he mentioned, yeah is in the description. You can click those yeah. links directly to his YouTube, Facebook page, all that good stuff. And also there's my book there. and the book. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Inside yeah. war from the jungle to the Jordan. Okay. It's a short, it's a short read. So, you know, because it's an evangelism tool. It's not a preachy book. Okay. It takes you through the story, the way it happened to me. And as I, as I'm given revelation of Jesus and the truth and start to walk towards it, you're reading it as it happened to me. Okay. Mm. So I'm not preaching to you. I'm just telling the story mm. and I kept it as short as possible because I want, whether I give it to a man who's homeless on the street or someone, a librarian that will read it in four or five hours. Mm-hmm. I, I want everybody to finish it because you've got to get to, 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 you know, to the end. Yeah. And so many people I've been given thick books and I don't mind reading, but you know what? You know, sometimes people don't like reading big, thick books. Okay. So not everybody does. And that was the idea of it, but it's all in now. I haven't left anything out. It's all in now. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I'd encourage people to get a copy of that, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and maybe give it as an evangelism to anyone that is a Christian that knows someone that's struggling with, with drug problems or the occult to give them a copy of it, you know, because it's, it's an evangelism tool. Yeah. And I love that. I, I loved, the approach of that book and and mm. how you basically just tell tell the story um and mm. i think you know being a storyteller myself that's something that you know a medium that really resonates with me uh, but mm. i it's a lot of people um mm. and uh, re- stories resonate with people and i think that it's just such a god inspired mm. approach to telling your testimony you're just telling it and mm. then you know um great awesome so everybody Wonderful. link in the description buy inside war um and uh obviously support tony's ministry and what he's doing uh, and we want to get this we want to get the word out to as many people we want to you know so that's good so 
Tony, thank you so thank much. Man. This was you, awesome. Awesome. So yeah, everybody will do a part two because we got, there's more to talk about. There's so much more to talk about. So, um, yeah. So, uh, everybody that is our show. Have a blessed day. Um, and we'll see you again next week. All right. Bye. This has been Elijah fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.